All right, Judges chapter 10, Judges chapter 10. Now, we know this already. Uh, context is always important in your Bible. Context is actually important in anything. I saw a thing, an article, where a fella <clears throat> received a phone call, and the phone call was in his son's voice, and someone had taken his son's voice and made it sound like he had been in a, a bad accident, was in trouble, had been arrested, and that this lawyer was going to contact him who happened to be available. And he gave the guy's name, whatever. Long and short of it is, it was an elaborate scheme to get this dad, who was a, a lawyer, he wasn't a criminal lawyer, he was, you know, settled other kind of things, uh, to get him to send $9,000 to this account so that he could post bail uh, because a bail bondsman wasn't available, blah, 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 blah. Come to find out, when he tried to complain about it, they said there's, there's no way. He said that we can't trace it because what they were doing was this scam was getting people to put it into an account that ended up being crypto and it was gone. You know, couldn't trace it. And what had happened was he had called his daughter-in-law and this all happened within like three minutes. But at the end of this process where he's supposed to arrange to drop this money off or have somebody deposit it, he called his daughter-in-law and told her what had happened. And she said, just a minute. And she handed his son, her husband, the phone and said, Dad, you're being scammed. And uh, he had gone and made it public so that other people and come to find out there were multiple cases. Some of the people got scammed. Some of them... Uh, stop short of it and all that. And I said all that to say context. His son's voice was his son's voice, but it had been pasted together. And however they had done it, they'd gone to a lot of trouble and they were asking for 9,000, which we all know is under that 10,000 threshold that gets reported commonly. So they had thought this thing out greatly. Now, context is important. And the context of Judges chapter 10 is important. A judgment documents what I just have written in the margin of, of my Bible as I read my King James Bible. I write in and out. In other words, they're in with God, then they're out with God. They're in with God, and they're out with God. And we know that it, it gives us a good understanding of what can happen when people are in and out with God. The thing to remember is, it's not like when Job suffered. You might suffer through something because you're doing right. You might suffer because God is bragging on you. Literally, Job, if he was given a choice, would have said, you know, I, I really don't want to be this famous. <laughs> I, I really don't want to be a test case. I, I didn't sign up for this. Uh, the Lord signed him up. The Lord's bragging on him to the devil, to Satan. So there are times when that happens. But at the same time, there are also times when we need to have things that say to us and alarm us, and primarily as a New Testament Christian, in our relationship with the Lord, our peace of mind, our attitude, our spirit, not just merely financial things. If you have a flat tire, 95% of the time, you just had a flat tire. I like what Brother Wood said. They were coming back from a meeting in Florida, heading back to Houston on the old Greyhound bus they'd bought, and uh, they'd had some work done on it, but something went wrong. It broke down the side of the road, and one of those dear old uh, saintly ladies said to him, Brother Wood, you think 
the devil's fighting us. He said, no, I think the transmission went bad. And he wasn't being a smart aleck or cheeky. He was saying, this is, doesn't have to be the devil. It's a transmission. So the thing to remember that's very important, I believe, is that we're not looking for things in exact parallels to the Old Testament. But what we are looking for is things on a spiritual level and an emotional, physical, relational level that are equivalents of it. So we're going to use this physical picture. Now, when I say in and out, they were in and out. Uh, here in Judges chapter 10, they're out with God. You say, what do you mean? Well, I've, for example, I've written in here, you know, like uh, chapter, um, oh, just for fun, uh, chapter 3, verse 8. The anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. He sold them in the hand of Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, and the children of Israel served Cushan Rishathaim eight years. I've written there eight years out. <laughs> and then the land, verse 11, the land had rest 40 years, and Othniel the son of Kenaz died. I got 40 years in. So they're in the grace of God, out of the grace. Now, your salvation is not at risk, but your relationship can be. And if you're a Bible believer, be careful. I, uh, recently we did a thing on presumptuousness. Be so careful of presuming upon your belief system that your belief system makes God partial to you. It doesn't. All, all my belief system does, if it's enlightened and it's educated in the things of God, all my belief system does is make me more accountable. It doesn't make me have more liberty to do whatever I feel like and to presume upon God. And we must remember that. Here in Judges 10, they're out. So they, and they want to get back in. Now, obviously, some of it's selfish because their life was, when, when they were out, they were in captivity or being lorded over. Or being oppressed. And so in this passage, it leads to, it's going to lead to a character named Jephthah judging them, leading them. And that's going to happen in 11.1. So you've got this process where they would, they would be following God, then they'd get away from God. God would let the enemy oppress them, do all kind of stuff. He would raise up someone to lead them. And it's, they would, he called them judges in those days, someone to lead them, to judge them. So you have these judges that come along, and during their time, they're in. Okay? And then, as as happened, as I read to you there, when, uh, when he died, they got out. Okay? And so in this passage, in this process, we come to chapter 10, and it says in verse 1, After Abimelech, there rose up, there rose to defend Israel, Tola, the son of Pua, son of Dodo, a man of Issachar, and he dwelt in Shamer in Mount Ephraim. And he judged Israel 20 and 3 years, and he died. So I've got written what? 23 years in. After him, verse 3, arose Jair, a Gileadite, and judged Israel 20 and 2 years. 22 years in. And then Jair dies, verse 5. Now, in these cases, you didn't get voted out of office. You didn't get booted out of office. You got buried out of office. Okay? <laughs> and then... And, Verse 6, the children of Israel did evil, what? Again. Again. In the sight of the Lord served Balaam and Ashtaroth, the gods of Syria, the gods of Zidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of Little League, the gods of the NFL, the gods of college football. I'm, I'm sorry, that, that doesn't say that, but it could if it was so-called up-to-date translation. The gods of, you know, fishing, hunting, all that kind of stuff. The gods of... <laughs> Now, don't freak out, you know, Hobby Lobby and Michaels and all that. Who would have thought 
there'd be such a multi-billion dollar business as hobbies, just in any kind of hobbies. It could be shooting. It could be jogging. Uh, it could be anything. And so they get away from him. Verse 8, that year that they vexed and oppressed the children of Israel, 18 years, all the children of Israel that were on the other side of Jordan in the land of the Amorites, which is in Gilead, Moreover, now watch, an invasion, the children of Ammon passed over Jordan to fight also against Judah and Benjamin and against the house of Ephraim, so that Israel was sore distressed. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, saying, We have sinned against thee, both because we have forsaken our God and also served Balaam. So they didn't just ease up from God, they had replaced him. Now there's a, there's a process in your life as a believer, you got to be careful. Because part of the process is just easing back from the Lord a little bit. You say, well, I'm not going to read my Bible just out of habit. Well, that's, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. You get up and go to work out of habit, don't you? You really always feel greatly inspired to go to work. Well, I don't want to be, serve the Lord in bondage. Your, you, obedience is not bondage. And it is for your best sake that you get up, read your Bible, have some prayer. That, you know that prayer list you got? It'll put you back in touch with God. You neglect that a few days, a few weeks, a few months. You get sporadic in your Bible reading, and especially devotionally, okay? And the next thing you know, you've, you've not just pulled away from God, forsaken God, verse 10, but you start serving the God of this world. And the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Did not I deliver you from the Egyptians, from the Amorites, from the children of Ammon, from the Philistines? I think he might have even had a strong voice inflection there. The Zidonians also and the Am Amalekites and the Mayanites did oppress you and you cried to me and I delivered you out of their hand. Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods. Wherefore, I will deliver you no more. So here they are. Now get this. They need to change God's mind. In your Bible, there's multiple times when God lets his mind be changed. He's not iffy and wishy-washy and will-o'-the-wisp. But if you come to him on the right terms, he'll listen. Go and cry unto the gods which ye have chosen. Let them deliver you in the time of your tribulation. He's being sarcastic. Rightly so. Every now and then, as a parent's, there's a time to be a little bit sarcastic to help our children see things before they get too far in the world. Verse 15, And the children of Israel said unto the Lord, We have sinned. Now, that's not the first time he's heard it. Uh, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ said, Till 70 times 7, there's people that'll do something, and it won't be the first time when they have to come ask forgiveness and it won't be the second time and it won't be just till seven times it might be 70 times seven we have sinned now would you mark this rest do thou unto us whatsoever seemeth good unto thee deliver us only we pray thee this day and they put away the strange gods from among them and served the Lord and his soul was grieved for the misery of Israel they need to change God's mind and this is how they do it now, I'm going to do a little devotion here on as you wish, Lord, as you wish. Many, many years ago, I knew an evangelist fellow. He traveled all over the country, all over the world. Good, I met him in the early days of his first time 
after being like an assistant pastor and all that in evangelism. This is a long time ago. Uh, this is in the early 80s. And uh, back in, I think, 2019, you never know when you're going. Back in 2019, he was doing something at his house there in Arkansas and uh, fell off the roof. I don't know. I don't remember. It was this time of year. It was November, like November 2nd or 3rd or 4th or 5th. It was early November 2019 that this happened. And uh, the injury was too much from him falling off it and went home to be with the Lord. He died. But years and years and years before that, one time he was, when he was based out of Midwest Ohio, I was coming through there one time and uh, a couple of his boys were going to go ride with me up to a meeting up north and meet them there. So I was going to spend the night there with them. And he had, he had a, a, such a good family, he and, he and, and his wife. And uh, I pray for her every day as a widow, every day. But we sat down and he said, Gilbert, you're going to do this with me. This is what we do around here. Because the older children, uh, the boys were outnumbered, I think, at that time, were, uh, were the girls. So we sat down and we watched this little movie. And I hardly ever, ever make a reference to a movie. But there's a little phrase in this movie. It was called The Princess Bride. Funniest, cutest little thing, you know. Uh, I imagine there might be one or two bad words. I don't think there's hardly anything in it. But it was hilarious. But there was a phrase from the beginning to the end that was used to express love. And it was a servant, a farm servant, expressing his hidden love, because he obviously he's a servant, he's not allowed to say it, to the girl of this family. And she would tell him to do something, he'd say, as you wish, as you wish. And time went on, and he went out to try to make his fortune so he could be able to afford to marry her, blah, blah, blah. And <clears throat> no spoiler alerts here, so I'm not going to do it. But the whole thing was, later in life, she recognized him by that phrase when he said, as you wish. And when I read this recently, this passage, they said, we have sinned, colon, ready? Do thou unto us whatsoever seemeth good unto thee, semicolon, deliver us only, we pray thee this day. They said, as you wish, Lord, whatever you want, however you want to do it, as you wish three thoughts and the whole idea is today i'm not saying you don't do it every every day but it would be great to have a motto. i like mottos that match my bible there are some that don't now and there's some hanging around christianity that don't really match if you examine them i like the navy seals motto the only easy day was yesterday well, that matches the Apostle Paul. He said, we must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. Wouldn't say that's how you get to heaven, but that's what's the path to heaven once you come to Christ. My favorite phrase that I use with my guys, well, cheer up, boys, it'll get worse. Only easy day was yesterday. As you wish, Lord. So this, in fact, this deliverance comes about through a fellow named Jephthah. Look at verse 1 of chapter 11. Get a little more context, and then we'll look at our three little thoughts. Now, Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor, and he was the son of a harlot, and Gilead begat Jephthah. And Gilead's wife bare him sons, and his wife's sons grew up, and they thrust out Jephthah and said unto him, Thou shalt not inherit in our father's house, for thou art the son of a strange woman. Then Jephthah fled from his brethren, dwelt in the land of Tob, and there were gathering a 
gathered vain men to Jephthah and went out with him. came to pass in the process of time the children of Ammon made war against Israel. It was so that when the children of Ammon made war against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to fetch Jephthah out of the land of Tob, or Tob, if you want to pronounce it like Job. So you see, it got bad enough, and the Lord delivered them through this fella. Okay? When we think about this, Jephthah was not what they were praying for or what they pictured. He's a very unique character. Okay? He's not what they had in mind. We're going to get to that in our third point. First of all, in is a today thing. In. Remember, they were either in with God or out with God. Not lost or saved. And I hate to tell you, but there's a lot of places in your Old Testament where it's completely about eternal rewards, eternal Israel, etc. The, the new heaven, new earth, all it's in the Old Testament. 95% of Moses' law is about fellowship with God, not earning your way to heaven. They're not keeping it to get to heaven. You can't. The only thing that can pay for sins is blood of an innocent lamb. Period. Both Testaments. So, no, they were not saved looking towards the cross. There was no cross to look towards to. They were saving, saved looking to God. At any rate, in is a, a today thing. It's not a guarantee. Now, the promises of God are, th are things He wants us to have, to hold. To grasp. So he told him in Joshua 1 9, this book of the law shall, 1 8 9, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Amen. It's, and then he says, be strong and of a good courage. Have not I commanded thee? You know, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever I will go with. Wheresoever the sole of your foot shall tread, that have I given you. Promises of God are things He wants us to have. The premises are God's to choose. The premises upon which He gives us promises. Because those premises are ours to follow. In other words, this blessing, that have I given you, He said, Joshua 1. Premised upon what? Going into the land and walking about it and conquering. There are promises about the peace of God. There are promises about the power of God inside our heart and mind over habits and, and thoughts and everything. There are promises that we can live as a new creature in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17. But they're premised. In 1 Corinthians 15, when he talks about the gospel and he says, if you keep it, etc., he's not talking about to stay saved. He's talking about how it will save your life here on earth. There's premises to all promises in the Bible. Now, some of those promises are absolute in this sense. Okay? If you will receive the Lord Jesus Christ, if you will come to Him as a sinner and say, Lord, I am trusting the blood of Jesus Christ, that's settled. You met the premise by saying, I will come. There's no premise that says, if you backslide, if you get careless, if you get presumptuous, as we just preached on. If you do that, no, the premise is you come to Christ. This is where the Calvinist gets all messed up. You were in Christ as a Christian before the foundation of the world, 
by the premise that you get into Christ. Not because God said, I'm going to put you in, I'm going to put you in, I'm going to put you in. No, he made a, he said, I will have mercy upon him, I will have mercy. And he he decided what the premise of mercy was. Come to Christ. In the Old Testament, offer the lamb. Those are the premises. Know them. There's prophecies that can be banked on. Do you know that what Job held to was that God was going to take care of it in the end, but he is a man who God chose to record his pain. Words of pain. I've worked in a VA hospital in the ward where they had quadriplegics, paraplegics, and amputees in the mid-70s, 1970s, not 18s. And you talk about pain. I thought the other day, reading one of D.L. Moody's sermons, and I thought about his time that he went during the Civil War and he was out in the field with soldiers. And I don't know if you've bothered to think much about it, but the, the cannonballs and the musket balls, they reaped horrible havoc. I mean, they're sawing these men's limbs off with hand saws and just all kind of stuff. They had no real drugs to use like they do today and stuff. It was rough. And Job held to those promises even though he was in pain. People will say things in pain that if you hold them to it, you're being like Job's friends. You're just a Pharisee, just a hypocrite. And then fourthly, on this in is a today thing, probation. Probation's not a threat, it's a promise. Probation says, I've given you promises. Here's my premises. I've prophesied that I'll take care of you, you'll have it. But the probation is, you've got to stay in, friend. No, you won't lose it and go to hell as a child of God in the church age. But you can't go around presuming upon God. In is a today thing. It's a today thing. Secondly, out is a teaching thing. You say, what? Look at chapter 2 for a minute. Look at chapter 2. Out is a teaching thing. We are supposed to learn when we even get the least bit out. You say, what is out? I'm not talking about going to the pub. Uh, I'm not talking going down to the bad part of town and being lascivious. I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about robbing a bank. I'm not even talking about stealing from your employer. In is a teaching thing. Now, I'll say this. It starts with thinking. It starts with thought. But it's a when you get out, out is a teaching thing. In is a today thing. Uh, out is a teaching thing. Chapter 2. Look at chapter 2. Uh, and verse 1. An angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum and said... I made you to go up out of Egypt and have brought you unto the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. Ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. Ye shall throw down their altars, but ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Wherefore, I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare unto you. He said, I'm going to have to teach you. It's no strange thing that we know that when it comes to teaching humans, God uses, we mentioned this recently in a message, He uses four things primarily. He uses four Ps. 
the first one, the most primitive, <coughs> the most animal, carnal, is pain. God gave us pain as warnings. There was no pain in the garden, but it's too late for that, friend. Okay? You're not going to live a pain-free anything. Not if you live. And ladies, you were going to have a lot of great pain-free moments if you hadn't eaten of that fruit. But that's over with. We're out in the world now. Romans 5. So, pain is there to warn us. Pain is often there uh, to help us understand, i got to look after something. i got to get something checked out. Pain is a good thing. Pain has saved many a life. Someone go to get the pain checked out and find out they had a worse situation than they thought they had. Pain. And there's all kinds of ways pains. The second one is pressure. Sometimes we don't have to be motivated by pain. Pressure can do it. It can be the pressure of, it, it can be sometimes in life, peer pressure. Or it can be the pressure of accountability. It can be the pressure of consequences. The, the third one, and now we're moving more towards God's, God's primary, God's ordained way of motivating us. Pain will motivate you. It will. Pressure can motivate you. The third one is prize. You say, well, that's it, because Paul said, I, for the prize of a high coin of God. Just hang on. Prize is a good thing. And in a minute, we're going to talk about getting out starts over at the right side of the fourth one I'm going to give you, and it works out usually. The fourth one is purpose. That is the most pure way to get motivated is by purpose. The way to get motivated to stay in your Bible and to just put your heart with God to say, as you wish, Lord, when you, before you even open your eyes in the morning or when you come across a traffic jam or you come across someone who's rude or something that's a challenge to you, whatever it is, or in your home, as you wish, Lord. Not as everybody else wishes. I don't mean that, but as you wish, Lord. See, what they said to him, they said, Lord, we don't care how you do it. Do thou unto us whatsoever seemeth good unto thee. Deliver us only, we pray thee, this day. Out is a teaching thing. They got out and they started paying the price. Now, when, you, when you're easing off, you ease from purpose and then there has to be some prize in it to motivate you. That should be a warning. It's a warning. Okay? So warning that says, oops, I've eased off of the purest way of being motivated, and that's purpose. Prize can be recognition. Prize can be, for some of y'all out there, it can be the next meeting, the next offering. Prize can be, you know, something at, at, at work. Prize can be someone's accolades and all that. Your purpose can never be related to something outside of you. It has to be between you and God, see? Purpose is not supposed to be some athletic achievement purpose is never supposed to be uh something but prize can be see as you start moving away from being in you're moving towards out <laughs> i love what the little guy said he he uh, little fellow went to bed one night and they got him all tucked in and they went back downstairs and a few minutes they heard this thump and they went up there and there he was laying on the floor and they said son what happened he said, I don't know. He said, I think I stayed too close to the getting inside. <laughs> In other words, a lot of Christians stayed right just out of the world, just, just barely in, okay? Which means you're really close to being out. 
He said, I stayed too close to the getting inside. So when we go from purpose to prize and then to pressure, we find that we do things because, well, they'll be disappointed in me if I don't, or what will they think, etc. That's pressure. And then pretty soon God says, I'm going to have to send some pain to you. The pain of you doing something, you know, hurting somebody's feelings or saying something wrong or, or the pain of, of realizing, you know, I'm not even getting hold of God here. Pain. Out is a teaching thing. In is a today thing. I need to be in today, every single day. Remember what he said? Today, if you will hear, harden not your hearts, as in the day of provocation. Today is a today thing. In is a today thing. Out is a teaching thing. The last is this. As you wish, Lord, is a total thing. What did they do once they said it? We've sinned. Verse 16, they put away the strange God from among them, serve the Lord, and his soul was grieved for the misery of Israel. You want to get the heart of God? Get in. You want to get the heart of God instead of telling him what you need, what you want, blah, 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 say, Lord, as you wish. That's not a passive thing. It's like standing attention, saying, as you wish, Lord, at your service, Lord, as you wish, Lord. If you want me to take care and help and love them. Listen, Jephthah was not what they had in mind. They wouldn't have chosen Jephthah in any of their normal processes. So God's answer needs to be totally, totally up to the mind of God. You get that? It's got to be totally up to the mind of God. That's what as you wish means. Lord, whatever means, whatever you want to do, whatever you don't want to do, the way to be in is to be totally in. Just totally in. It's not measured by how much you do, say, at your church. It's not measured by how much you sacrifice. It's not measured by how much you give. You know, you can be totally in with God, and God might, He might have you give less to missions than you did last year, but you're totally in with Him. Now, you're not totally in with Him if you're giving less to missions so you can, you know, blow money on yourself. You know what I'm saying? That's an individual thing. I, I don't have to worry about telling people whether they're in or not. All I've got to do is try to help them be aware. You're in or you're out. Now, you might be in that process of pulling out, moving from purpose to prize to pressure to pain. Well, let's never get to the pain side. You know, it, it's, it'd be a great thing, as you wish. In that, that old story, out of that book, it's actually taken out of a book. In that story, it's an allegory, a fictional. In that story, it was a way of saying, ready? I love you. It wasn't a way of being henpecked, fellas. It wasn't a way, ladies, of her taking advantage of him. Our bridegroom said to the father, as you wish. We remember it as being what? Not my will but thine be done. I would, I, I, my goal, my aim in life, daily, is to say, Lord, as you wish. Whatever. It doesn't even have to be a battle of the wills. Just as you wish, Lord. You want to make it rain on my parade? Rain. You want to make it break down? Break down. I hope it doesn't. I pray it doesn't. You want to change my plans? Change them. As you wish, Lord. Because I'd rather be in 
all the way, have whatever trouble comes my way. I mean, none of us are praying, Lord, make me a Job. I get that. But I'd, I want to be as in as Job was. And then let come what may. In your heart, how about it? As you wish, Lord. Would you dare say it? Now, right now, it might be someone that you're going, man, I, I have this suspicion of what it might be about if I say as you wish. Okay? Go ahead and give in. And do like they did. They put away the strange gods. Serve the Lord. And you know what? His soul was grieved for the misery of Israel. And he sent him that deliverer, Jephthah. Let God do what he wants to do. I can promise you this. Everything is better in with God than out. Say to him today and every day, and sometimes throughout the day, as you wish, Lord. Lord.